I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. This week, my guest is Ashley Melke, registered psychologist and founder and CEO of the Grief and Trauma Healing Center in Alberta. Ashley founded her company at the age of 26 after her father committed suicide. It was the purpose she found through her healing that inspired the why behind the Grief and Trauma Healing Center, which is on a mission to steward grieving people on the pathway to healing. Ashley and the center's hope for the world is that every single human will have the tools to deal with loss and no one will ever grieve alone again. Ashley was named one of Edify's top 40 under 40 in 2021 for her contributions to the field of psychology. Today, Ashley is also a business consultant, philanthropist, second year doctor of psychology student at California Southern University. She's a wife, a mother, and a passionate hockey player and coach. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation, which is really about letting purpose lead business. Ashley, it's such a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. Thank you so much for having me, Ava. It's a pleasure to be here. And I know you've listened to our episodes before because we just had that conversation, but as as you've heard, I'd like to start these conversations by asking guests to kind of go back in time, down memory lane a little bit. And I'm curious to know in your case growing up, what did you think you'd be doing later in life? What did you picture yourself um, you know, doing as a career and was it at all connected to what you're actually doing today or was it something completely different? It is actually exactly connected to what I'm doing today. So I knew at 11 years old that I wanted to be a psychologist and it's not a conscious memory. It was actually something my mom had written down and put away in like a shoebox or something. And then years later found this note that I guess at that tender age, um, that is something I told her I wanted to do. So as I've reflected on, you know, what 11-year-old knows that they want to be a psychologist, I think I knew at that age that I wanted to be of service to others, probably mm-hmm. because I knew that I could have really used that emotional support at that young age. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of the backstory, my parents divorced when I was six years old. My mom was a single parent raising me. My dad was sort of in and out of my life, very inconsistent. And I knew from about five years old that my dad struggled with addiction. So Mm -hmm. by that age, I had already experienced a lot of traumatic incidents related to his alcohol and drug addiction. So um, long story short, I ended up pursuing that path um, without any question. And so by the time I was 25 years old, I was a registered psychologist. I I mean, that there is a, you know, a story of, of, of trauma that's kind of inherent to your, your career journey. But I love that that path has always been very clear for you. And you know, from a young age that you had something to contribute, which is great. Um, So tell me a little bit about maybe, you know, starting down uh, that path in the first few years in your career. 
what was that like? And I basically want to get to the the company that you've recently founded and the motivation behind it. But what, and, and I know for, for a lot of therapists of, of all backgrounds, it can be quite difficult working with others as well. So what was that like for you? And was it everything you had imagined? So when I was in graduate school, so my second year grad school, I was very much on that track to become a psychologist. I knew I wanted to work with people and support them, but I didn't really have um, clarity about who I wanted to serve. And what happened is my dad relapsed into alcohol and cocaine addiction. I was at that time, I was 22 years old. And um, that was really devastating because my dad was a very um, sort of out of control, impulsive alcoholic and drug user. So that happened and it was a year of absolute hell. And then my dad tragically died by suicide. So sorry. Thank you. So being a graduate student, having the most horrendous loss impact my life, um, I really didn't know what that all meant at that time. I just, I just mm-hmm. wanted to survive. And so what, right. I, what I actually ended up doing is really pouring myself into school, finishing school, quickly jumping onto the path of becoming a psychologist. And it's, it's very much a bunch of kind of check boxes. You have a certain number of hours you have mm-hmm. to complete under supervision. You have some exams you have to write. I sort of just buried my pain under all of that. Okay. So that was now 2013, 2012, 13. So two, three years after my dad died. Then I started to organically work with grieving people with the organization that I was with. And what happened for me is I really felt my heart expand and come alive Mm -hmm. sitting with these grieving people. But the problem was I didn't have any tools to help them. I was still very much processing my own pain. And so I went on Mm -hmm. a journey of looking at what tools were available for grieving people I came across a program called the Grief Recovery Method, and I signed up for this four-day certification training. That was early 2013. This four-day training was so transformative, Ava, that that next day I decided I'm going to go to the business registries and I'm going to start a business and this is going to be my signature offering. And I had no idea like what that was going to look like or even how to start a business or really, to be honest, didn't even know a whole lot about the program, but it was Mm -hmm. so impactful. I knew I had to bring that to the community. And that was nine years ago that I started the Grief and Trauma Healing Center. Mm -hmm. And well, and, and that's fantastic because you are literally kind of taking from your own experience and, you know, giving back to everybody else and helping, you know, helping your community. Um, I find in general that our society is very ill-equipped when it comes to, um, you know, foundation education around dealing with things, you know, various trauma, including the loss of a, of a loved one and grief. And uh, you've probably observed the same thing. So what was kind of, you know, the feedback when you first started that business and, you know, the first few years in your practice, uh, what did you encounter with patients, with your audience, basically? That's such a great question. And to my surprise, what I, what I wasn't even aware of when I started out is how lacking our industry is 
and was in terms of grief support. As Mm -hmm. even as trained psychologists, we don't receive a whole lot of training on how to sit with people through grief and never mind address our own losses. So it actually picked up quite quickly to my surprise, just the fact that there was a service available where people could feel hopeful and know that there were some tangible, actionable tools available to help them. And even now, like nine years later, we have grown tremendously. It still surprises me that there aren't more more of us out there specializing in this Mm -hmm. area because as we know, every person is a griever. Everybody experiences loss. And it's, it truly is. Yes. It's like that one common thread that connects every single one of us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was some pushback in the field as well of, you know, is this really Mm -hmm. a great place to spend your time? Do we really need a service like this? And uh, I'm so glad that I that I stuck with it, regardless of any kind of negative feedback or criticism, because um, clearly there's a need. Mm-hmm. What would you say is kind of the number the number one reason that people will you know come to you, choose your service? I mean, obviously they're they're going through a period of grief, but that can be for various reasons. So usually, you know, what what pushes them to come to you? All sorts of losses. I would say the most obvious loss that brings people in would be a death. So death Mm -hmm. of a parent, a spouse, a child, a sibling, a friend. And we get a whole lot of individuals coming processing a divorce or a breakup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, you know, childhood losses. So any form of childhood abuse or trauma. So anything of the past that people are really wanting to address and heal from. And then I'd say everything in between from a recent move, a job loss, financial changes, loss of health, pet loss. We get a lot of pet grievers. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And just, I would say like just general life difficulties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you find that there's, when you started your company nine years ago, have you seen a progression or is it more accepted today to actually talk about, you know, overcoming trauma, healing, trauma, healing, uh, something like, like the loss of a loved one or, you know, grief of any kind, because it feels like we are having more conversations now. And I think that's actually one of the positives of social media is there's a little bit more that's being shared, you know, about these experiences that we're all going through. So have you seen kind of that shift happen over the years or is is it still the same uh, as nine years ago, would you say? Great question. I would like to hope that there has been a progression and that we've, as I'd say, as a society have worked hard to really shift that narrative that seeking help after loss or for any issue we're struggling with is actually a really positive action to take. And Mm -hmm. what we're seeing internally is, which really fills our hearts with gratitude, is that the number of men that are seeking support, that are going through the grief recovery method, that are seeking support to heal from trauma. And what that tells me is that um, particularly men are feeling much more safe asking for help. Um, so I would like to, I would like to say there has been, there has been a shift over the years and I'm grateful we have platforms like social media, 
and, you know, documentaries that are out there that allow us to continue to shift that narrative and encourage more uh, people to seek, to seek help. And again, it's, it's really, again, identifying that we're all human and we all go through loss and we all suffer and there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting support for that. It's actually a benefit to your life and your future. Absolutely. And I want to shift a little bit and talk about, you know, starting a business in a field like yours. So in, you know, psychology and and services of the sort, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs we have on on the show, will talk about, you know, launching a specific product, for example, which often is what we think of when we think about founders and and business owners. But obviously you are, you know, trained as, uh, as, as a psychologist, but you're also running a business, you're an entrepreneur. So how do you kind of combine these skills and how do you think about strategy for your business and, you know, kind of wearing that double hat on a daily basis? Thank you for asking that. It's a very timely question, Ava, because actually yesterday I was on the phone with my friend who is also our director of people and culture. Her name is Gina. And I was in tears because I, I've been going through a season of really figuring out how do I stay connected to the purpose that was the you know inspiration for starting the Grief and Trauma Healing Center and also be the visionary and the CEO of our company. Mm. I've been really yeah. struggling because as our business has grown and I've stepped away from the client work and I'm now more, I'm in a consultant role and I mostly just do businessy things. I have felt um, a bit of a lack in terms of just my spirit Mm-hmm. And so now where I'm at today is in the new year, um, I'm actually moving our, our director of operations is going to be moving into a COO role, taking over a majority of my tasks and duties, and just kind of, I'm putting those systems in place with our leadership team so that I can find new ways to step back into the work without sitting with clients. So, you know, I feel really inspired to start a podcast about sharing people's stories of hope and connecting one-on-one with people again. Um, I want to go back to maybe doing some grief workshops and talks and just like Mm -hmm. get back to sort of the grassroots of why I started this business. So, I mean, like every entrepreneur, I am just trying to figure it out as I go and find a, a strike that balance between growing the business, which I'm deeply passionate about, um, but also staying connected to the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I can see how that's a tough one on, on a daily basis, but sounds like you have some good tactics uh, in place. Something I wanted to ask you, and, and I think that's kind of you know practical advice as well for uh, a lot of the, the entrepreneurs who listen to, to this podcast, um, and it's 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 probably something that you you know spend quite a lot of time talking to your to your patients about. But I'm curious, what would be your advice, and even what was your own approach? You overcame you know the loss of your dad, and then discovered that practice that inspired your own business. Um, often, when we are in that position of dealing with a traumatic event, that you know could be something that brings us grief. Um, trying to still function in our normal lives, trying to still run a business. And I I think of, you know, women entrepreneurs, for example, who might be 
the CEO, the founder, it's it's not always obvious that we can take time off from our work. Um, not always obvious that we can step back from our business if it's you know something that that we founded and that we're in charge of. What's your advice to kind of navigating that really tough period of you know I still have a business, I might still have a family, I'm holding the reins of something, but I am going through this traumatic period in my life. How how can we navigate that? What would be your your best tips? That's so great. And I think it's so important that we're realistic about what that would actually look like. As I know, when I've got 700 things on my to-do list every day, it's not easy to say, okay, well, I'm going to take three months off. That might not be realistic for someone. So I think what would be really key is to get really intentional about what are the tasks that only I can do right now? Like what is Mm -hmm. sort of the bare minimum that I have to continue to put out every day? And where can I delegate those things that are less of a priority for me? Because what happens as we know, when we're grieving is we have that reduced ability to concentrate and focus. And it's, it's hard to stay productive and engaged when our hearts, it's almost like we have this this internal bleed, right? We're almost like Mm. emotionally bleeding and we have to attend to that. So some things that are really helpful and I know were helpful for me is giving ourselves permission to feel our feelings. Mm -hmm. And if we trust someone to share that with, so we can do that in isolation, but it's really powerful and healing when we have someone. So if it could be a spouse or a partner, it could be a best friend, it could be your business partner, someone to share what it's been like for you to go through that loss and cry Mm -hmm. those tears. And it hurts and it's exhausting, but it's also really important that we treat our body almost like this processing plant for feelings. Mm -hmm. Don't get kind of stuck and stored inside. Um, And really savoring those moments where you do have a pocket of time for yourself. So if that's journaling or taking a bath and just engaging in self-care, I think is also really, really key. And if, if it feels like too much, there are resources available. So it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with seeking support, finding someone in your community that specializes. I mean, I'm biased. I'm all about the grief recovery method. So Mm -hmm. picking up the handbook. Good place to start. Yeah. Yes. Like it's such a beautiful evidence-based program um, that really teaches us the tools and how to complete our losses. And so I would highly recommend that um, as an option. But honestly, it's just giving ourselves grace, feeling our feelings, sharing that with someone we trust and just kind of allowing that process um, to unfold. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. And... I think another side to kind of, you know, this 
these situations that we all go through in life is as business owners or, you know, executives, when we are creating a certain culture in the workplace, and I'm thinking of, you know, women, uh, uh, business founders who, you know, are, are, are in charge of teams, are in charge of employees, how can we make space and offer the right type of support for our staff, for our employees who might be going through uh, grief, loss, you know, uh, and any type of trauma? And what would be the right way of approaching that with them without, you know, encroaching on their privacy or, or you know, without wanting to uh, kind of trigger any 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 kinds of, uh, uh, you know, additional trauma? But what's what's kind of a safe way of, uh, making that space and, and fostering a safe environment for employees who might be going through something like that. Yes. So I would say I'd even want to take it a step back before that even happens around really getting clear on what is the type of culture that you want to nurture. Is it mm-hmm. a culture that that encourages vulnerability and authenticity and where we can talk about hard things? Um, I know for us, that's really key um, of who we are and how we do things. Um, not just for our clients, but for our team, that we can talk about the hard stuff that we're going through. And so it's right. already a safe place to do that. So um, if someone is grieving right now in your organization, you're not really sure what to do, you know, have a conversation with them. Go and sit with them. Make sure it's comfortable. Maybe you go and you sit at their home with them in a place that feels safe for them to cry and open up if you have that kind of relationship. Um, and just talk, talk like two friends. And the biggest thing is we never want to intellectualize their loss. We don't want to minimize it. We don't want to try and force them to take action. They're not ready to take. And we have to look at their loss as really unique and individual to them. So really understanding what that experience is like and ask them, what do you need from us? How can we best support you? It could be things like childcare or drop off or pick up from school with kids. It could be a meal train. It could be, you know, bringing them their favorite self-care items. Um, and it could be giving them space. They might say, you know what? I actually don't want to talk about this. I don't want to, I don't want anyone reaching out to me. Don't text, don't call. And we want to honor that for them and um, really give them that space to figure out how much time do they need to take off and are they connected to the resources in the community that can be really supportive to them and just check in, check in often. Don't, we, we want to avoid saying to them, if you need something, reach out. We want to say, is it okay if I check in with you every right. week? And so we remove the burden from the grieving person um, and treat them the same. I hear this time and time again, Ava, and I do a lot of corporate work working with organizations who require support in this area. And one thing I often hear is they treat me differently now. They look at me weird, Mm -hmm. avoid me Mm -hmm. in the office. Just be yourself, be your authentic self and treat them like they are still the person they've always been. And, um, And when appropriate, check in. How have you been doing? What's happening in your world? Do you want to talk about it? I'm here for you. Um, I think those are some couple helpful tips. No, that that's very important. And I like what you said about creating that culture in the first place, not waiting for an event of the sort to happen. It's really about what kind of culture we're, we're fostering in the first place. Um, I remember doing an interview with 
uh, a woman founder who's at the helm of, you know, a very large uh, communications agency in the UK. And she's written a lot about corporate culture. And um, she was talking about how um, it was kind of seen as negative for a long time to be vulnerable as a leader, you know, to kind of bring those soft skills to the workplace. And she was talking about how she literally called it, you know, her mom skills. Like she said, I'm able, I'm, I'm a mom. Like I have that compassion. I have kind of that sensitivity. I have that emotional intelligence. And she thinks of it as a strength that she brings to the workplace. And I thought that was so refreshing to hear. I love that so much. And I echo what you just said. Um, it is, it is a bit against the grain in terms of traditional leadership and culture building, but I hundred percent agree we lead from an attachment lens. So we really want to create a secure base and a safe haven for our teammates. And they are professionals. Like Mm -hmm. these are brilliant women and Mm -hmm. they're still people. They're people first. And everybody is fighting a silent storm in their life. I don't care who you are. are. We are always going through something and having a space where people can come and bring their full self and show up wholeheartedly and authentically. I mean, that is just beautiful. That creates synergy and connection and trust and loyalty and productivity and engagement. And I've always been really passionate about creating a a company that where my people feel so supported and so safe that they can just show up and do their best work Mm -hmm. and know that like, they don't have to worry about anything because I've got their back and we've got their back. And Um, It's been really beautiful. It's been just as much of a gift for me as it is for them. And it's, it's what we remember ultimately, I think from, you know, those kind of uh, very positive company cultures and environments where we, you know, we could be ourselves and, and there was room for us to be a human. Basically it's, it's what we remember workplace or a leader by. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's acceptable as a leader to be a little bit more vulnerable, compassionate, we can still be a great leader and have, uh, you know, uh, kind of the traditional leadership skills that one would expect and to have that respect from our team, um, but still show up in that way. So I think, I think you make a very good point. Something else I want to ask you, um, and I just recall all the conversations I had during the pandemic with women entrepreneurs, you know, women founders, and something that came up again and again is the the grief that we were all experiencing as society going through this massive pandemic, which really saw kind of the end of life as we knew it. Um, I'm curious to know your take on that. And now that, you know, we've luckily and fingers crossed this continues, we've kind of entered the post-pandemic era. How do you see people kind of you know, navigating through that. And often I think we're, we're probably dealing and you're probably seeing it in your practice. Um, you know, individuals are dealing with multiple kind of, you know, periods of grief or, or grief that's happening at the same time for various reasons. So what are you seeing and how do you think we can do better as society to support each other through that period? I think COVID was the greatest grief inducing experience of our lifetime. And what it revealed to us in, you know, our entire world is how important it is to address loss and have the tools to talk about loss and process loss and support people. And I feel like grief really earned its place at the table through COVID, which Mm. 
I felt very grateful for because we had been in business for years before COVID hit, really kind of preaching this message around the significance of loss and how it impacts us when we don't deal with it. So we seen, I mean, our business, Ava, exploded overnight when COVID hit. And I feel- I'm not surprised. (laughs) I feel very, I feel grateful and humbled that we were positioned as a team to be able to address the need in our community um, and also very saddened because some of these losses were massive for people, including losing their jobs and their homes. And the number of suicides- that were happening was quite astronomical. There is a, a correlation with men in particular that when employment unemployment increases, so do suicides. So, I mean, that just goes to show that there's, there's a problem in our culture, particularly with men, that we haven't created the systems and the conversations that would allow them to seek help when they've lost their job or they're in financial trouble. Instead, they've just chosen to die, which is just, I mean, just shatters my heart. Um, So we definitely have seen a mental health crisis throughout COVID. And I would say even still, we are still dealing with the aftermath of COVID um, in many ways, emotionally, financially, physically, the number of people that have long haul COVID and symptoms that are still affecting them. I have friends of mine, very Mm -hmm. high performing entrepreneur friends that are still sick and you know it's been devastating and we don't we don't hear all of these stories but it is happening and what we can do is you know i might not be able to change the entire narrative across canada or the us but what i can do is is facilitate conversations in my in my circles i can go first talk about it open up the conversation and i think that is a responsibility that we have is to be willing to go first and have those conversations with our teammates, our staff, our family, our friends, our sports teams, um, so that people feel safe Mm -hmm. and you can have that dialogue. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah, I agree. I always like to ask kind of business leaders who are at the helm of really a purpose-driven organization, what is your definition of success and has it changed over you know, the last decade since you've had your, your current practice? Wow. Amazing question. I would say probably like a lot of early founders or business owners, we think that success is going to be, you know, in the number of employees that you have or the amount of money that your company grosses. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not really sure, to be honest, I even thought about what success meant to me in the beginning. But now, as I reflect, I would say success for me is the number of lives that we impact, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the number of broken hearts that we serve. So when I started the Grief and Trauma Healing Center, as you've heard, it was following the death of my dad. And I, as a woman of faith, I really felt like, um, God had called me to this path. And I, I kind of heard this voice say, you know, just one broken heart at a time. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. I wanted to do, Ava. I just said, mm-hmm. I'll just work with one griever. And then I'm like, my job is done. I can retire. That's how I felt. I was just so grateful to sit with one person and two people. And it started very small. So it was like, I had five clients on my caseload to start. And, and our mission that 
statement we wrapped into our mission a couple of years ago, um, that we are stewards who gently guide and journey with people on the pathway to healing, one broken heart at a time. Mm-hmm. And so when I see the number of clients that we serve in a month and how our team is creating impact in the community, like that's what really fills my cup and inspires me to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I would define success. That's beautiful. I, I like that. And I like the one broken heart at a time. Um, my One of my favorite things to ask guests on the show, and it's also the last question I have for you today, What's went and we didn't talk so much actually something and your your answer to the, this next question might uh, might reflect some of this but I I was also curious something I had on, on my list of questions for you was uh, you know if women and men kind of typically react or navigate grief differently so the question now for you would be what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish women would do less of and it could you can choose to answer with, you know, a lens around, you know, healing from, from trauma and grief, or it could be something completely unrelated. I love this question so much. And it's sort of packaged in the same answer. I wish that women would quiet that voice that tells them to play small, to try to appease others, to live up to others' expectations, to pursue careers that they think they're supposed to pursue. And instead, I think women really need to listen to that call and that that urge in their heart, that desire of their heart that is telling them to go and pursue that hope or dream that they have and chase that desire. Um, As a woman of faith, I think those desires of our hearts are God's desires in us. And I think that's really where we can discover our greatest purpose and where we will feel most alive. That is a beautiful answer. I love that so much. Thank you you very much. Ashley, it was so great hearing more. I think I have a lot more questions for you, but we're running out of time. But we'll send everybody uh, to your to your website and to the different platforms where they can learn more about your practice. And thank you so much for what you're doing for everyone around you, everyone in your community. And I think we can all learn a lot from, from, this, uh, from this approach. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ava. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women in Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support Claire Miglionico. Yeah.